Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And Elijah, where the heck are you, buddy? I, uh, where did I, you go? Tristan, I'm I'm happy to say that the uh, that the mantle of guy who just randomly is on the podcast uh, has been passed to Elijah and is no longer on your luscious locks. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know, it's great to be a guest on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, Tristan. You know, we're always happy to have such a good friend. You know, be a guest on here every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's what I like to do. Yeah. And hey, you didn't time. even clap for yourself this time, so you know no, you're I learning. Didn't. Yeah, I'm I've, I'm a big boy now. I don't need my own claps. <laughs> Tristan, I gotta, I gotta be honest but, with you. Every now and then I listen to an older episode and I hear you clap for yourself. And like on the one hand, like, like I'm, my response is what it is in the episode where I'm just like, ah, ha 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 ha, you clap for yourself. But now I listen to it with older, wiser ears, um, and I'm like, it's, it's, there's a there's a genuine there's a uh, a genuineness genuity yeah. Um, yeah to it. So yeah, L- live your life, Tristan. I think that's oh. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, well you know I I the clapping happens in my brain now. Mm. Oh, okay, gotcha. So. Hmm. That's um, that's new for me. Oh, that, that is weird. Um, you know what else is weird? <laughs> this movie that we just watched. Wow, I was over here trying to figure out like a bad joke, and <laughs> you just you just went for it. You bad joke? How about a killing joke? There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes, this week we watched the 2016 movie Batman: The Killing Joke. And I don't have any other information except for some of the voice cast I know off the top of my head, so I'm going to well, pass it over to Doug. Well, yeah, Ben, that's that's the funny thing is that um, you don't have to have information on everything because I've got it. Um, it's it's, it's kind of my job. That's um, so yes, yeah, so, you. So yes, yeah, so this is Batman: The Killing Joke, starring Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, Tara Strong, uh, John DiMaggio, Rick D. Wasserman, uh, Nolan North. You just a, a, a bunch of excellent voice actors. Directed by Sam Liu. Um, yeah, this movie uh, has a six point four out of ten on IMDb, a thirty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, seventy eight percent on Google. Google. Uh, Yes, the uh, the Goog, uh, as uh, as mine and Tristan's friend Jess so often says. The Goog. All right. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this movie was made for a budget of three point five million dollars and grossed four point four million dollars. Now I should say that this movie was made um, primarily for digital release. Uh, there was only a, a small. Um, one night or one weekend uh, theatrical release for this film, uh, which I actually saw, but we'll get into that later. Um, so don't don't feel so bad for this movie when you hear that uh, small uh, profit. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, this movie came out in uh, 2016. Uh, is a direct, for the most part, very direct adaptation of Alan Moore's um, 1988 critically critically acclaimed uh, Batman comic, Batman the Killing Joke. Um, So, yeah, that's literally every ounce of information I could give you on this movie, Ben. I hope I I I have uh, satisfied the need. 
You did. You you, you were excellent. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now, Doug, uh, I know that you mentioned that uh, you went to a weekend screening of this. Mm-hmm. So tell me, do you have any other experience with this movie? Um. Well, okay. So, so I distinctly remember going and seeing this movie um, because I had heard about it and I was like mildly interested. But my friend uh, and I in high school, we had just started our senior year um, because for some reason in the like in southwest georgia where it's always just hotter than it is other parts of the state um they decide to start school the earliest um and the air conditioning units are all broken so like they rarely work but anyway uh it was our it was the first day of our senior year and i was like hey let's go to albany and let's watch this movie that's playing he was like okay fine so we did and yeah it's have either of you been in situations where you walk into a movie or a play or really any sort of event and you know that the only people in the room are people who are much more enthusiastic about the thing than you are yes yes it's scary it is and that was kind of what we felt walking into it, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I liked it at the time, and then I read the book and I was like, um, I have thoughts. So uh, so let's let's get into those. Well, do uh, do either of you have uh, any thoughts on the movie? Yes, I've actually seen this movie before. I also recognize the fact that I said thoughts as opposed to experiences, so... Yeah, it's okay. I was Sorry about that, folks. This time. Uh, but yes, uh, I have seen this movie once before. Uh, I saw it fairly recently. Uh, I decided to watch all of the DC animated movies, um, and this was one of them. And I will say, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more the first time around, um, because I have not read the comic... Uh, I knew about the comic and knew some of the complaints about the movie uh, before I watched it, but I hadn't done a ton of, uh, I guess, research. Like, I tried to go into it with as open of a mind as I could, um, and then watching it again tonight, um, I'll get a little bit more into it later, but not as enjoyable of an experience. Well, I had not seen this before. I I'm not a <clears throat> comic reader, um, or really much anything about Batman. Uh, I've seen a few of the mainstream Batman movies, and I've seen the Nolan movies, and you know, I, I am a casual Batman enjoyer. I played the games, um, but otherwise, don't know the comics. I have never seen a Batman animated anything. Um, so, Which so, for for the record, you do need to fix that. Because mm-hmm. the animated series is on HBO holy Max right now. crap! Yeah, I haven't se- I haven't seen that. It's real good. The Batman the animated series from the nineties, well, late eighties, early nineties, like mm-hmm. uh huh. That's like peak creme de la creme. And that's the same voice actors that's in this yep. movie. Now uh, minus Tara Strong, right? Well, I'd say there's a follow up series that. Um, delves more into Batman's adventures with Robin and Batgirl. Yeah. And I wouldn't swear to it, but Tara Strong may voice 
I'll tell you what. Somebody talk for a little bit, and I'll find out. Here, I'll you. look it up. You talk. <laughs> okay. Um. Really, you've never seen anything anime of Batman? That's no. The as far as DC goes, I think I owned a Superman animated movie when I was younger, but it was like one of the you know one. It was it was meant for like an adult or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. That's it though. So okay, so Tristan, so I am kind of curious because I know that you have played the Arkham games, but I am. Yeah. Curious, like, what was it like for you hearing, like, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill not in Arkham form and in just this classic 2D animated cartoon form? Um, well, it, it, with Batman, it, in, a, in the video game, it feels more, Kevin Conroy feels more dynamic just because he's you're playing as batman i mean and it's he's also more animated and at least in the version i saw today and how he is animated on screen with 2d it's he's so much more stoic and he can be because he can just sit he can just be still and like that's batman like he just doesn't do much unless he's punching someone he, he doesn't like have a lot of emotion or facial expression but on, in the video game, he there's more option for that just because of the nature of, you know, dynamic weather and things like that you can see on people's faces and just stuff happening to them. So, if anything, you know, with the voice with the voices attached to that, yeah, it just it just felt a little more um, static, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, you, you had something to say. Yes, uh, I found it. Uh, in the follow-up series to Batman the Animated Series, the new Batman Adventures, Tara Strong does voice Barbara Gordon. Okay, gotcha. Slash Batgirl. Yeah, uh, Tristan, I, I get where you're coming from. Because, um, like, the further and further out we get from this movie and its initial release, I think... I think some things were made just for the sake of getting this movie made. And I think a big one of those is... Uh, for, for those of you who don't know this, when this movie was announced, the big selling point was the fact that Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill were going to come back and voice their roles. Uh, now, each of them have their own uh, contracts with Rocksteady, um, who makes the Arkham games. Um, and that's its own thing. But... Mark Hamill, in particular, had said he wasn't going to come back to play the Joker unless it was a filmed version of Batman the Killing Joke. So, when they finally announced this version to be released, like, that was the selling point, was, y'all, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are coming back and they're going to do their old roles again. And I do kind of agree with Tristan. Comparing this uh, voice acting uh, to like the animated series it does feel a little slower it feels a little more like okay maybe i mean, I, I, I wouldn't even say it's a fair comparison yeah uh, that's also I mean, true they're trying to tell two completely different stories right I mean, exactly this, this the, is very much an isolated story like even in the world of the comics this doesn't really have a follow-up yeah. like there are stories that could potentially take place after this but given the ambiguity of the ending, at least in the comics, 
it doesn't really leave much room to be like, yeah, this is a direct follow-up to the killing joke. And then in the movie, there's definitely not a follow-up to it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's 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 a very fair like um uh point that you make. Um Yeah, I don't know. Uh so outside of uh so outside of um Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy, uh what what were y'all's thoughts on the other voice acting? So what I mean by that is what y'all think about uh Tara Strong as Batgirl? Uh, I mean, I, I love Tara Strong. Um, I think she is an incredible voice actress. Um, I feel like she's been in all of my favorite animated shows. Um, That's fair. That she, is a is, fair she comparison. Is mm-hmm. She is busy and has just been in everything. Um, yeah. say, uh, I remember she was in Teen Titans. Um, I can't remember. She, she, she's Raven. She's, she's Raven. in Rugrats. She's been in ev- she has been in everything. Right. Uh, she's if, also if Timmy you, Turner. Right, if you name it, she's probably been in it. Uh, but incredibly talented. Um, and I, I think that's the main thing that this movie does right, is the voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they they bring in the heavy guns. Like, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, without a doubt, most consider them, like, the best, at least the best animated Batman and Joker pair. There are yeah. some people who think, that they're just the best Batman and Joker, period. Um, I think there's certainly a debate to be had there. So, I mean, like, they weren't messing messing around with, like, putting this film together because, you know, you bring in your heavy hitters with the cast, you bring in one of the most uh, beloved... I don't want to say beloved, but, like, one of the most well-received Batman comics of all time, and then you get it, and it's just like, oh... Well, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. Well, what what do we think? We have two big Batman fans here. Mm-hmm. Are 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 these? Is this the best Batman and best Joker? Here, no. However, there is a Batman movie um, in which Mark Hamill plays the Joker, Kevin Conroy plays Batman. And That's exactly what movie you're talking about. When I say I got a hot take on it's one. it's maybe it's it's my favorite Batman movie, but it may be like the best like superhero movie I've ever seen. And that is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It's it is a masterclass in like how to do an animated superhero movie and how to do a superhero movie. Ben, I don't get the hype. I watched it. I thought it was fine. Okay, uh, that's the fine. best. You eh. you can be wrong. <laughs> so can you. Um, okay. Well, how how does he how does he compare to uh, you know Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger? Um, I think the only comparable. <laughs> I think the only person who can like stand toe to toe with Mark Hamill in terms of the best Joker is probably Heath Ledger. And even then, they are so pol- they are such polar opposites. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of Joker. Like, yeah. it's so different. It's so different. I mean, that's Jack the thing well, with the Joker in general. Uh, the, I mean, that's the thing with the Joker in general. A lot of the times you are telling a story just about a different Joker, because, I mean, yeah. it's so hard to top what previous actors have done. 
I mean, like you, you're not going to see someone recreate the performance of Heath Ledger. You're not going to see someone recreate the performance of Joaquin Phoenix. You're not going to see someone recreate the performance of Mark Hamill. Uh, so, like, finding new and more interesting ways to tell that story is why the Joker is as popular as he is, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And kind of going back to this for a second, my favorite uh, um, animated Batman movie is interesting because it actually doesn't feature Kevin Conroy or Mark Hamill. Can I uh, guess it? Because sure. I think I know it. Is it uh, Under the Red Hood? It is uh, Under the Red Hood, which features... That's a good one. Right, which features the... Typically, the other uh, big animated Batman name, Bruce Greenwood, uh, and then John DiMaggio as the Joker, who voices... Uh, he's he's in he's this Gordon, movie. Right? I think he's Gordon. Uh, give me a second, I'll tell you. I could be wrong. Uh, I, uh, I don't think so. But even then... Oh, no, Ray Wise was Gordon. Uh, John DiMaggio played Francesco? Whoever that sure. is? Sure, sure. Yeah. Why not? Um... But uh, but even, like, comparing DiMaggio to, like, all the other Jokers that we've seen, like, I mean, he takes it in such a different, hmm. takes it down such a different route. Because, like, his Joker is very much like, like, okay, if you have, if you have Mark Hamill's Joker, who's, like, the mob boss, who's, like, running everything, <laughs> John DiMaggio is, like, the hitman who just got really good at being a hitman and was like, I'll just kill anyone who messes with me. But she doesn't under the red hood. Oh yeah. Lots so, of people. Um, I, my brain train crashed. I, I just want to say one quick thing just so I can gush about John DiMaggio. Cause John DiMaggio's Joker is really, really great. And I, because I really do love Batman Under the Red Hood. I think it's excellent. Um, but I uh, I love that line that he has where he's where he's 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 beating Robin with a crowbar. Um, spoilers, and, by the way, for huh? Under the Red Hood. I just said spoilers, by the way, for uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. Also, Batman Death in the Family. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's uh, a comic. Yeah, well, they also re-released the movie with alternate endings. Oh, has that um, actually been released now? Yeah. It's oh. on HBO. Oh, what uh, I'm doing tonight. But uh, but anyway, uh, he's he's hitting Robin with a crowbar, and he's just like, so tell me, sport, which is be- which feels better, A or B, front hand or back hand? And then he says something. I think it's along the lines of, I think it's along the lines of like, do you think this is too too cruel? Like, is this really all that we've come down to? And he thinks about it for a second and he goes, Nah, I'm just gonna keep hitting you with this crowbar. And he does. Do you think that these characters that, uh, well, let's just stick with Mark Hamill, the the sort of bombastic, wild Joker that he plays, does that? Do you think you you could ever see a Joker like that on film, rather than animation? Um, I mean, it's hard because. I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week, like, just the limitations of trying to get something um, from, from like, animation to live action. Mm-hmm. Because there are just some things that a character can do in animation that you can't come back from 
in live action. And I'm not talking about, like, physically capable of doing... I'm saying, like, an animated character can... can Someone playing the Joker do, couldn't get away with what the Joker does in uh, The Killing Joke. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's one of the coolest things about the Joker as a character, is that even though he does all these horrific things, like, people love him. Mm-hmm. Like... I I believe, I mean, I don't have any background research to back this up, but I feel like if you ask people who's the greatest villain in fiction, the Joker would probably be up there. Oh, absolutely. As one of the as one of the greats, and there are just some things that you can do in a two di- in a two dimensional uh, format that just does not. You can't come back from it. You can't garner support from it right uh in a live action version but uh but yeah tristan i do want to i do want to watch like some batman the animated series with you because it's great (laughs) and i saying one last thing about kevin conroy because i do think that this movie does kevin conroy kind of a disgrace because Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that kevin conroy did that was so different from other batmans is that he was kind of the first bat or Batman actor to say, Batman, your Batman is kind of almost as good as your Bruce Wayne. Is only as good as your Bruce Wayne. Because right. <clears throat> he was the first actor who really looked at Batman and Bruce Wayne. He was like, these, are, these have to be played as two separate people. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the animated series. Bruce Wayne doesn't show up in this movie. So I do think that, that adds to the fact that it does kind kind of feel stilted. I'd say, uh, speaking of uh, things in this movie that are, are stilted, uh, kind of going off of what you said, I think the biggest thing that this movie does as a disservice to Batman is it takes this Batman story, and for the first half of it, it's not about Batman. Exactly. I believe 45 minutes. Right. Like, they take the first, at least half of this movie... Um, and give us this subplot. Uh, it's essentially about Batgirl. Uh, Batman shows up, but it, it it's a Batgirl story. Yeah, and it really doesn't have anything to do with the end. Yeah, uh, you you do know why they added it, right? Um, I don't. Okay. Um. So the entire reason that they added that prologue is because if they didn't add it, they wouldn't have a feature-length film time, and they knew that even though this was going to be a majority digital release, Mm -hmm. they wanted to do some sort of theatrical release, and they couldn't market it as a feature-length film unless unless it had some more meat to it. Um, But also, kind of going along with this, with this prologue that we get from Batgirl, because I think... I think everyone can agree the intent was to kind of show like Barbara Gordon as like this strong individual mm-hmm. who who wasn't just like I mean at at the end of the day she wasn't just like a damsel in distress right. she wasn't just some some uh target or prize to be won mm-hmm. and they chose to do that. They chose to give Barbara Gordon depth and strength in probably the worst way possible by putting her in a story in which every single person who looks at her sexualizes her to such a high degree 
the including entire time. Including Batman. Including Batman. Which is the is thing in this movie. Well, okay, yeah. it's not the is, but it's up there. Yeah. And, like, I, I, was, re- I was doing some research um, on this m- movie before we started, and that was the biggest complaint that I got, because... I mean, if we're if we're being perfectly honest, the biggest like uh, negative factor to this movie's ratings and everything like that, it boils down to that opening prologue. Mm-hmm. And there were so many people who were just like, "I don't think you understand what it means to write strong women as strong, because all you're doing is you're showing people constantly sexualizing her, and she beats them up." Like, not once does anyone see her as an equal. And I don't think she's written to see herself as an equal. And, like, that's pathetic because Barbara Gordon is a strong character. <laughs> like, she's got depth out the wazoo. It's in, it's amazing. Like, if you want a really great just Barbara Gordon uh, moment or story or character... um characterization look no further than batman beyond uh the 90s series because she is large and in charge that entire series and it's great and then you look at something like this and it's like what were you thinking what 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 were you thinking i don't know i i I really have no words uh it's it's just bad. Like, yeah. I I understand it. It would have wouldn't have been a feature length, but I think it would have been a lot better if they just left it out. Yeah. Um, because like it, it's a bad story, and it doesn't. It's a complete tonal shift from the rest of it. Like, you get through all of it, and then it's just a sharp turn into the rest of it. it yeah. It, it's it's just uncomfy. Yeah, if you're going to add a prologue to something that doesn't originally have a prologue, and when you look at it, you can tell without any narration or text or anything, you know when the prologue is over and the movie begins, you've messed up. Right. Tristan, go ahead. Go ahead. It just, well, it just didn't fit. It just didn't fit with, Hmm. it's like we were watching two movies. It's like we were watching the first and second half of something, you know, mm-hmm. but neither of them were really complete. Yeah. And honestly, it makes this movie feel a lot longer than it actually is. Oh my gosh. Cause it this movie is so what, long. like an hour, 15 hour, 16. Yeah. Like it's not long, but it feels like you're in it for a while. Yeah. It, because you're telling two completely disjointed stories. Oh my gosh, this movie drags so hard. Um, Tristan, I am curious, because, like, I mean, I know that you're not as big of, like, a Batman, a Bathead, um, as, a as Ben as, and I as, are. As you say. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, what did you think about Barbara Gordon in that prologue? Like, what, what did you think of her character? Well, I... I, I don't have... It really, the, all I have to go on, just to preface, is the game, um, which she's not really in that much. She is in the third one, but not the rest of them. 
and um, I don't know. She was fine. I mean, like performance-wise, it was fine. You know, it was good, but story-wise, it just wasn't. Yeah, I mean, you said it already. It wasn't necessary. It didn't feel like it was necessary. At least if it was trying to connect up to the second part of the movie, it didn't. I think if we would have seen a conclusion of the Batgirl story and like how she continues on after the accident or whatever happens to her, um, then maybe that would have been a satisfying end. Uh, and if we would have seen maybe the beginning of the second part of the movie where how like how joker got out you know of prison or like what what happened there <laughs> i don't know before that then maybe that would have been a good so i think if we would have added a good 30 minutes of information that better connected these two stories then i think we would have had a good movie yeah. Now, now that does kind of lead into another thing that we were going to talk about later, but I mean, you know, flow of conversation, all that jazz. Hmm. Um, so, this movie got... This movie was criticized for two things, in particular. The One, one was the prologue, because it, it had no reason being there. Mm-hmm. But the other was the fact that this movie touted itself as the adaptation of the killing joke and the question was raised did you really adapt it because it's literally frame for frame the comic book mm-hmm. line for line everything it's yeah. it's just the comic book so when Tristan says something like you could take out that prologue and add in 30 minutes of something else to flesh out the story of the killing joke i think he's absolutely right Mm -hmm. because that is what adaptation means to a certain extent right right um you know well yeah were you up were you upset that it was line by line the comic was it cool to see that the first time i saw it i had not read the comic so Uh I was like, okay, this is cool. I still was like, what the heck with that prologue? Um, but I was like, okay, that's cool. And then as I let it sit with me, I was like, well, why did I need to see it? Mm-hmm. Because, and a lot of people will say this, you know, when you read a Batman comic, the voice that you hear in your head for Batman and Joker are probably your favorite actors who have played Batman and Joker. So if in my head I'm going to hear Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill saying all these lines, then why did I need to see it on screen if nothing new was going to be added? Right. And I feel like if you are going to going to take a story like this that is just like almost 100% just like um you no know, heart beating, just like intensity I feel like you have to add in some sort of, like, um, foil to that, and there's not. Which, I mean, I I think there's a way that you can have a movie that's just all intensity and make it not bad, but this movie doesn't do that. You're you're fighting an uphill battle in that situation. Right. I, I just don't feel like we get to know any of these characters at all. 
Like, I... They kind of play with it a little bit, like uh, Batman and Joker's relationship when he's um, talking to who he thinks is the Joker in jail. Uh, like, you get that conversation between Batman and the imposter. It's like, you know, at some point this is going to have to end. Either you're going to kill me or I'm going to kill you. And then they just... they that That's like the only kind of sense we get of where the characters are at. This is a movie that expects you to know Batman right. really well already. Right. And it even serves potentially as an end to, like, I mean, if if you didn't watch any more Batman or consume any more Batman, if this was better, you would have had a better experience. But the way it ends, I mean, could just be an ending to Batman, just for you and your own personal canon. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Because and, it because it has that much like it doesn't it doesn't create anything underneath it. It's like we already expect you to have the foundation that's required to understand this movie. Mm-hmm. So you should have already consumed all the other content you need to get Batman. And now here's your Batman cherry on top. Right. Here's the it's killing a story joke. completely told in a vacuum. Yeah. And if you don't know what's going on outside of that vacuum, tough. Yeah, and. Ben brought this up at the top of the at the top of the discussion, but the Killing Joke is a very isolated story, but also it's a story that had lasting impacts on like the Batman mythos, like going forward. So like, there are so many ways that you can take that. Like you could do like Tristan said, and you could show Barbara as Oracle after the fact, because mm-hmm. that's not really covered a lot in at least in mainstream like Batman media that's something that's never been put on screen before uh, is watching Barbara like decide okay I'm going to go and do this I'm still going to be in the fight Um, yeah I mean I think I think Tristan said best you know this movie expects kind of a little bit too much mm-hmm. out of an audience because it's like you have to know all this stuff and that feels like an exclusionary movie which it shouldn't be right and if you're expecting your audience to know that much and then you're gonna throw this relationship between batman and batgirl at them you're intentionally pissing off your audience because if your audience knows all this stuff about batman you know that something like that wouldn't happen yeah and, like, now, obviously, they're yep. the creators. They can do whatever they want. But yeah. in no other Batman story ever, at least to my knowledge, um, has any uh, sexual relationship ever happened. Because yeah, their so, relationship has always been more of a mentor-mentee or father-daughter relationship. Yeah, so let, let's get to that. Because the prologue made people angry for two reasons. One, it was unnecessary. And two, and this is a really big two moment, um, Batman and Batgirl have sex. Barbara Gordon and Bruce Wayne have sex. And there there has been one instance in comics, but it's considered non-canon um, in like an alternate universe where Batman and Batgirl are uh, romantically uh, involved with each other. But, like I said, it's non-canon. And 
this is this is the thing. So I said that I remember one specific thing from this screening, and that's just true. This is the thing I will always remember from watching this movie in theater. And Tris or Ben, you know you're gonna have to bleep this out. But the minute that Batgirl kisses Batman and then takes off her top, I will never forget it. We're all sitting there in the theater watching. And, like, two rows in front of us, you just hear this guy say, what the f***? <laughs> and, like, that's accurate. <laughs> that well, is... I didn't, I didn't know. I, I When I saw that, because I just haven't consumed enough Batman content, I guess, I, I didn't know that their relationship was not that. I was like, sure, I guess that, you know, I don't know. There's some seems to be some sexual tension going on, so I guess this is the next step you would normally take. I don't well, know. It's... It's because in this movie, that prologue sets it up as though mm-hmm. Barbara Gordon has always been into Batman. And it's so weird. Also, she has, like, that 90s uh, that nineties gay best friend. And, like, the fact that he's gay is the is his only character trait. Right. Um, <laughs> that's annoying. That's not really a point that I'm trying to make. I'm just saying that's, that's just a weird thing to have in this movie. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it's unfortunate. But no, I mean, Tristan, you said that you you said that you thought that that was their relationship, and if this was the big, if this was like the closest thing to a Batman comic that you've gotten, yeah, I can understand why you would think that. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's so misguided, it and is. it's so uh, it's such a betrayal of the characters, like. Like, it is honestly despicable. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I, I, just wanna, I just want to read this, because I found this quote on the Batman wiki, and it's, it's Bruce Wayne. I don't know what comic he does this, and this is a long quote. But he says, um, he says this. He says, Sometimes I wonder if I'm even human anymore. Sex, love, even the slightest yearning I've repressed and rechanneled into the almighty will. How perverse it feels in her presence. Every relationship was a charade or some reluctant excursion I knew would never I knew I would never complete. Vicky, Silver, Talia, Selena. She would last the longest because she was safe. She was the enemy. She would always be the enemy. My criterion for a relationship, so many women. All those party girls, uh, their sweet smiles and simple hopes. But once the photo ops were over, so were they. Back in the limo, back to wherever they came from. I'm sure they wondered what went wrong. Was it something I said? Did I come on too strong, too clingy? Never knowing, they stood a better chance with Freeze. The day I put this on was the end of time. Gotham would be safe, but there would be no rescue for Bruce Wayne. No love, no family, no real intimacy. No real losing oneself and someone else. Not in this life. And the reason I read that, and the reason that hit me so hard, was because it also makes Batman look like a piece of crap in this. Cause What's like, that from? I don't know. It's from a comic, but I don't mm-hmm. know what specifically. But reading that, and then seeing this, it's just like... It's almost like Batman doesn't care about Barbara. Mm-hmm. Which... Again, if this is all that you know about their relationship is this prologue, I get that you wanted, I get that you didn't know this, but like, 
it is well established that Batman is incredibly protective of really two people at all times. Barbara Gordon and whoever Robin is. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And to have a character who views that, who views relationships and intimacy like that, suddenly have sex with Batgirl, have sex with Barbara Gordon, it, it's just like, he doesn't care. Say, honestly, it kind of feels like he's almost taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. Which, just, it doesn't seem yeah. like something Batman that's, would do. That's that not is Batman. that is weird. Yeah, I see that now. That is that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's let's talk about the end of this movie. Um I'd say then the end of the comic has always been ambiguous and then moving like adapting this into a movie, you kind of got to at least give something with the end. So, mm-hmm. as you get to the end of the movie, you've got Batman and the Joker standing there. Joker tells his joke, doesn't even really get through it all, uh, and Batman and Joker start laughing. Camera pans down. Uh, in the comic, one person stops laughing, you see some blood. In the movie, the Joker stops laughing, and roll credits. Tristan, I know you had a lot of thoughts when uh, we were watching it, because it ended and you just went, what? Yeah, I so just to give you a small painting of the scene i was laying on my bed watching it just on my computer and just enjoying it really into it um felt like i was going up the roller coaster you know and i got to the top and the movie ended and then i thought whoa what (laughs) like yeah just the killing joke came on screen and i'm like I thought we were going to go down. And they said, no. No, sir. This roller coaster stops at the top. Um, you see the stop sign? Yeah. Okay. Time to get off. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll get off the top of the roller coaster yeah. and go back the way I came and try to figure out what I just saw, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I did. And I got, it's got to be said, uh, I'm I'm still confused. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I understand that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I think I I uh, figured out a way that they could have kept the ambiguity in. Um, I don't know if it would have really fit with the tone of it, but um, so like you know you've got the camera on them, they're both laughing. As the camera pans down, fade both of their laughings out and like have the like the mm-hmm. ha 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 from like the comic strip actually come in. And just have that. Yeah. That way you still kind of maintain that ambiguity from the comic. I don't know if it would have worked. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just a thought I had. But yeah. I mean. But I mean. Just attempt to give us some of that ambiguity. Because right. they don't. Right. I mean they may as well just. Left the camera pointing at Batman and Joker. And show us what happened. Yeah. Yeah. They. Um, well there's. Even in the subtitles, it says the Joker stops laughing. But if you don't have the subtitles on, I, you know, all you would have to go off of is you just don't hear the Joker laughing anymore. Mm -hmm. But then you may also think, well, maybe he's just done laughing. 
you know, like it doesn't it doesn't give you a uh, like a clear sign that that's actually what happened. It implies it, I I suppose, especially with the subtitles. But mm-hmm. you know, and then the whole movie up to that point is Batman trying to reach out, and this is this goes into why I think in the comics that also Joker like because I saw the last pain, and apparently the the second half of the movie uh, or the comic is they're exactly the same mm-hmm. almost exactly the same so it makes me think batman is trying to uh find the joker to have a conversation with him so he can basically try his best to get him to not be evil or something like get him to stop maybe mm-hmm. like that's his motivation for like Really, this this whole movie, or at least the second part of the movie, is him trying to find Joker and like make this um, plea. I don't know, and he does at the end. Like eventually, he gets there. He finds him. Like he has to fight him first, but he but he gets there, and they talk about it. And Joker's like, "No, I can't. So I'm, I'm too far along gone." The lines of, "Yeah, it, it, I'm too far gone. It's too late." For yeah, me. it's too late for me. Yeah, something like that. And then he, then the Joker says, "Oh, I just this just made me think of a joke." And he tells a joke, yeah. And then, but the whole the whole movie and comic, I guess, is Batman trying to do this thing. So when he gets to the end, it's like, okay, the Batman realized I can't do that, and I'm in a point right now where I can just end it. I can just I can just kill him because. One of us is going to die, and it's not going to be me. Right. Um, so let's just end this thing, at least while the Joker's having a laugh. And he, and he does it. And he even walks forward in the movie mm. and puts his hands on him. That's, that's so, what happens in the comic strip, too. He kinda well, there you go. Move forward and like, kind of almost like he's like placing his hands on his chest, and, and it's the same to just... Yeah, and the Joker's Joker is known to be fast with his reflexes, so maybe he didn't do that. I don't know. Really, really don't know. But I do think both mediums imply that the Joker is dead. Yeah, it's the killing joke. Right. <laughs> the the kill the dead Joker. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. Uh, I, I guess my that... thing with the whole thing, my thing with the whole thing. Uh, wow. Yeah. I think what you need to do, I, I think you need to show more of that. Like, how did Batman get to this point? Like, I, I think it just goes back to expecting way too much out of the audience. And, like, using that as an excuse for not having any exposition. Like, I don't feel like you can tell this story in a vacuum. You, you've got to have some kind of exposition for why Batman feels this way now. When he yeah. hasn't in the past. Or why in other I- stories he doesn't have this... Well, one way or another, this is going to end. Either I'm going to kill you or you're going to kill me. So let's hash it out. And I want to be clear. I think the ending works. I think the ending is fine for the most part. It's just we need more lead up to that point. We need... There's a part of this movie that didn't happen because the Barbara Gordon story happened. And we need to, like, separate the two and flesh them both out or get rid of the Barbara Gordon story and just... Add more Joker and Batman to the to the front and end of this movie. Mm. Um, man, they they really made they really got it wrong there. 
That's it. I feel like normally DC is really good about their animated movies. Uh, I mean, you've got stuff like Mask of the Phantasm, Under the Red Hood, uh, the more recent Justice League films. They're all really good. And then you've got this, which is just this it's, weird... It's a misstep. Yeah, it's a misstep. It's kind of a, a trip in the road. Um, it's just weird. It it feels it feels like it feels like kind of soulless, right? Because like what DC has done with their animated movies, I would say at least to a certain extent is uh, kind of the monopoly that Marvel has on their live action superhero films. Like you don't see Marvel making animated films like DC does. So like I I think that the animated films are really DC's niche, um, and then you just have this colossal misstep. Yeah. yeah, it just feels so unlike all of those other uh, animated superhero movies. And, maybe, uh, maybe Zack Snyder's cut <laughs> of Justice League will, will be good. Uh, we'll see. <clears throat> Although, if you're listening to this, you probably already know how we feel about it. Yeah, that's 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 the fun thing about recording episodes ahead of time. Yeah. Um, because uh, but, at the time of recording this. Uh, the Snyder Cut drops on HBO Max in uh, five and a half hours. Something like that. Because uh, I think it's like 3 a.m. our time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we just bashed this movie for 45 minutes. We did, and I kind of feel bad, because it, it's not it, Like, it's I mean, not it's great, not but it's all not bad. bad. It's just <laughs> the bad things that are, are really in it bad. supersede the good things in it. Right. Yeah. But it did kind of drag. Yeah. Well, if no one else has anything to say, let's uh, let's do what we do best and let's score this sucker. All right. Well, if this is your first time listening, uh, we use a pretty simple scale, just uh, 1 to 100. Uh, you can kind of think of it like an American grade scale. That's uh, what we do some of the times. Um, yeah, uh, 100 means it is a perfect film. Uh, it's a perfect film. It has no flaws. And then a one means that it is a steaming pile of turds. So, who mm. wants to go first? I will. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to give it a 50. And part of that is what we said earlier about the fact that there are good things, but the bad things are just so bad. Mm. But also, like, to a certain extent, I, I don't know what else to give it. Yeah. I really don't know what else to give it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I get that. Uh, I'm not going to be too far off from you. Uh, I'm going to give it a 59. Um, there are some parts of this movie that I really like. Um, I do wish that they had uh, told a little bit more uh, exposition for the actual killing joke. Um, but like that, like that part, it's done really well. Um, at least as someone who does have prior knowledge of, you know, Batman and the Joker and the whole universe... Like, it's, I can't give it any higher, though, because of the whole first half of the movie and just the sole fact that this movie is made in a vacuum for people who love Batman and know the story already. So, yeah, 59. <clears throat> I'm going to give this movie a 63. <laughs> Lower than I thought I would give it. Uh, but I... I enjoyed the voice acting. Um, there was a point where I even... I mentioned the bin, I think, before we started recording. And I was like, there was a point where I 
was I, I thought wow the voice like I, I I was thinking about um Mark Hamill in a recording studio <laughs> like rec- like just saying these lines um and like just imagining like his inflections and like how like how he was moving you know rather than the animation on the screen um i don't know if that means it's good or not but it it was good um i mean i think if nothing else it says that the um the voice acting drew you in more than the animation did yeah it did and i mean the the joker and batman performances in general were were great um so yeah Otherwise, though, story, yeah, it just wasn't there. Yeah. All right, well, yeah. after plugging that into our patented scorometer, it gives us a final score of a 57.3 repeating. So it's not good. It's bad. Sounds right. It's <laughs> it's bad. You know, it just sounds right. A zero. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, this doesn't have anything to do with Zero, but Doug, what are we watching next week? That's a great question. I have no idea. It's on the screen. Well, hot diggity dang. Um, (laughs) Next week, folks, we are watching, I think it came out in 2013, we are watching a Nicolas Cage movie, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Have you seen it? I have. And it's a freaking weird movie, man. It did not come out in 2013. I'd say it's 2010. Okay, so what? That was only three years. Um, it's also got another podcast favorite, Alfred Molina. Oh, yeah. The Molina. We love to see it. We love to see <laughs> it. What a fella. What a wow. what a big old boy. What what a guy. Anyway, he, um, he, is, he is a big old boy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to keep up with us on social media, at Vider Media. You can also catch new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night and new episodes of Setting the Skeen every Wednesday. But until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And this has been Setting the Skeen. Y'all have a great week. Mm-hmm.